0: uh so today's uh topic is the memphis sanitation worker strike and um i kind of want to try a different structure for this one because it's not a person like i usually do it's a it's a whole event and there's a lot of people involved so first i wanted to introduce um two main actors i wanted to do more but i didn't have time to research um too much into the various actors but obviously um it was a huge deal for martin luther king he was shot at the end of this so um i guess you could say it was a huge life event for him and also uh, kind of the antagonist to this story i suppose is um the mayor of memphis tennessee at the time a guy named mayor henry loeb and there's a lot of other actors but i wanted to go a little in depth into these two to begin with so um um let me make sure the mic is okay so um yeah martin luther king as most of us know, um, was a civil rights activist. And I feel like people generally know his history and his fight for racial rights and uh, 1964 Civil Rights Act, 1965 Voting Rights Act. were passed due in relation to his the activism that he did um but really in the late 60s he was broadening his scope to include economic justice issues and both in relation to racial justice issues because obviously blacks were taking the brunt of the american poverty issue but also excuse me but also an issue on its own like rate economic justice as a Issue that merited um, attention on its own, and and that's you can tell he really thought that way because he encouraged poor whites to join his movement, which is when people really got scared because that's a really powerful movement, an economic justice movement is is really affects the majority by rule majority of the population because majority of the wealth is concentrated in a tiny percentage of the population which still happens today um and he was about to launch the poor people's campaign and he was shot before that but this really hints at the direction that he was going at and this strike was to be his last campaign and so on the opposing side we have (laughs) this feels like a like a um like a boxing match or something but um we have Henry Mayor Henry Loeb and he became he, he was a um, mayor for two terms and in the term that this happened he was mayor he became mayor in 1968 and um he was running on a quote quote unquote white unity ticket um because the blacks in memphis were becoming more organized more politically active and getting their voices heard and so he called for this quote unquote white unity and he also believed in separate but equal which we all know is unconstitutional and wrong today so he was basically um a flaming racist and um under his under his mayorship um the conditions for the sanitation workers which is really the center of today's topic the memphis sanitation workers strike in 1968 um the conditions really worsened under his under his watch um and he refused to pay overtime when the men were working late night shifts and he refused to take um faulty trucks and um hardware like um the stuff that they were using to do their job um if it was faulty and had holes in it like holes in the trash buckets and stuff he refused to um renew those which is not even like a human rights issue obviously that's super important but it seems like a sanitation issue like he was just not good at running the city um and many and under his mayorship not it w- it started under his mayorship. The wages became so low that many people were relying on public welfare such as food stamps and this really resonates with today um <clears throat> over the over last summer over the last summer, I went to a uh, um uh, Bernie Sanders has really been pushing the fight for fifteen, which is the fight for minimum wage a uh, federal minimum wage of fifteen dollars per hour um and he was talking about so yeah, so last summer I went to um it was like a town hall meeting where he invited in people from Amazon and Walmart and all these companies that are not paying their workers a fair wage and it's bad it's simply bad economics to have it the system the way it is right now because what really made sense to me what hit home hearing his town hall was about how we are like the one one side of the political spectrum is always trying to cut welfare and cut what um, many poor families and vulnerable and often people of color depend upon, but at the same time, those wealth that welfare is necessary to prop up the huge corporations. Like what I'm trying to say is like the corporations are able to get away with paying um, such low wages and they're able to benefit from the cheap labor at the expense of government subsidies in the forms of the subsidies that are going towards their own workers such as um such as food stamps and so it really is pay pay people a living wage and then they will get off social welfare like that's it's as simple as that if you want to save tax dollars then make the corporations pay people a living wage so they don't have to rely on tax dollars anyways that's a whole separate issue but um So, the background to the strike was, um, oh, where to start? Like, so things were obviously really bad. Wages were low. Uh, Safety was really not a concern for the people in power. And um, actually, yeah, so kind of the background of the movement, not just of the conditions that they were going under actually in as early as 1964 so four years prior to this happening um the memphis sanitation workers were granted a union charter by the american federation of state county and municipal employees um which is today still the largest public worker union in the country i think it has i think a little over a million or maybe more than that um i'm just gonna call it the afscm or maybe i'll call it American Federation because it's so long. But yeah, the American Federation was quite a pro they were a union, but they were a really powerful pro-union sort of political force on the scene and they were actually headed by actually I'll go into that later. <laughs> so, yeah, so they they were already granted a charter by the American Federation and and in 1966 they attempted a strike uh, but it didn't garner enough support among the religious and sort of upper middle class people and they continued on drudging through these really horrible degrading conditions um some workers talked about having to strip off their clothes when they got to the doorstep of their house after work um because they were just so filthy so dirty and one said quote-unquote maggots would fall off of you as you were walking back home um This really disgusting stuff and it it wasn't just the nature of the job, like obviously trash sanitation work is not going to be like the most cleanly work, but it wasn't just the nature of the job, it was really bad management on the people that were overseeing them and they didn't care about the workers because they were often of a different color skin, the managers were white and the workers themselves were black. And there was no, like I said, no overtime pay, no sick, no paid sick leave, um, and they made around sixty five cents per hour, which sounds horrible. And then I know some people are gonna say, oh, but it's inflation. And I actually looked this up and I adjusted it for inflation, and it would still be four seventy, four four dollars seventy cents an hour adjusted for inflation to twenty eighteen. So, or uh, twenty nineteen. Sorry. So um yeah, really really terrible pay and yeah you can't imagine working four seventy 70 an hour today so 65 cents per hour would have been the same thing back then and the, one of the striker was, strikers was saying and we were quote we were going to demand to have the same dignity and the same courtesy any other citizen of Memphis has and I know a really famous part of this strike was the um the I am a man signs that people held up and there's really famous photos of of the sanitation workers when they're protesting just having a sign that literally just says I am a man and it's so powerful because it's they were, they, you have to assert that, they had to assert that they were human beings, and it reminded me of the Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter movement going on today, and it got me thinking, like, were there people, like, white people back then saying, like, oh, I am a man too, like, you know, the all lives matter people today, it's like, yeah, the whole point is that these people have to assert it, um, black people have to assert that they are human beings, that their lives matter, that's why, that it that's why it's black lives matter not all lives matter and <laughs> then not white lives matter obviously those other lives matter i'm asian and asian lives matter but the group that has to assert it that's why it's called black lives matter that's why those people have to walk around with signs saying i'm a man so yeah it was like an interesting correlation um in signage and sort of like what people are uh I, what do you call those like um mottos for a movement i guess um yeah so the strike timeline now we're getting into the strike and i'm gonna go through this day by day because literally like every single day something really crazy happened it basically the strike spanned from february 1st to um march i'm scrolling down april yeah early april so early february to early april so it, it happened quite quickly but um yeah we'll be going through that first so um yeah february 1st 1968 The weather was really bad, uh, raining horribly, uh, flooding, stuff like that, and they were still required to work that day, and, um, yeah, oh, oh, I was like, which part am I going to go to? Because so many things happened that day, well, three things happened that day. First, and I think this was, this is the most famous incident that really got people angry, was two black sanitation workers, um, Cole and Robert Walker were crushed to death by a trash truck when its compactor mechanism was triggered, and, um, yeah, they were crushed to death, which is a horrible way to die, um, it was basically, they were using their trash truck, and then, um, it, it malfunctioned, um, maybe because they weren't replacing broken equipment, <laughs> um, and it malfunctioned, and they were, like, swallowed up, I guess, um, i don't really know what a compactor mechanism in a trash truck is but yeah they were crushed to death and the public not only that but the public works department that they worked under refused to compensate their families a single cent and also at the same day 22 because the weather was so bad 22 black sewer workers were sent home without pay while their white supervisors stayed and got paid which is so i mean just from a common sense standpoint like like, the you probably need the workers to continue working, if anything, you don't want the white supervisors, like, they're just staying, like, do they even do work out in the rain, like, how is what they're doing, like, they, you know, do they need to be paid and in, in the office that day, like, it's probably more important to have the actual people doing the work, continuing to do the work, um, yeah, does that make sense, <laughs> but anyways, um, those two events happened, and everyone was kind of freaking out, so it was two, sorry, two, not three, and then February 11th, so that happened February 1st, and then February 11th, um, there was a meeting of over 700 men who unanimously decided to strike, and so at this point, there was around 1,300 black sanitation workers total, and the next day, February 12th, 1968, um, uh, 1100 out of the 1300 black sanitation workers went out on strike so that's a lot of people and they that's when they carried their I am a man posters and they were petitioning for job safety better wages and benefits recognition of their union which like I said was already chartered four years ago um, and then to take malfunctioning trucks off of the routes and it really just sounds like common sense <laughs> um, and they were supported by Jerry Werf who was the president of the American Federation that I talked about before and yeah he is really interesting i might want to do a episode on him too he was involved in socialism as a young man and he was close friends with martin luther king actually and he later got arrested during this strike and was released just in time to hear king's mountaintop speech which as we know is was king's last speech um but yeah he came forward he was the president of this huge union organization and he came forward to support the black sanitation workers on their strike and he called it quote a racial conflict and a rights conflict and so already at this point it's kind of picking up speed kind of on the national radar Um, but it was still opposed by the mayor that I told you about the racist mayor and at this point 10,000 tons of garbage had piled up so they needed to find a solution and okay so that was February 12th they've started the strike February 22nd The NAACP has passed a resolution supporting the strike, the local NAACP chapter. Um, The workers and the supporters conducted, oh yeah, so this was an important day, February 22nd, because they conducted a sit-in that was actually successful, and they got a subcommittee of the city council to recognize the union and increase wages. And the 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 meeting where the subcommittee was being held was crowded with over- Uh, 1,000 demonstrators as they were passing this resolution. So definitely public pressure was a big part of this, not like the goodness of the hearts of the city council members, perhaps. Um, And so you might think like, oh, this is great. They've gotten recognized, like they can go back to work now. But the mayor rejected this so this he said it was basically like not a technical thing he was saying that the city council didn't have the right to recognize the union and he was the only one that could do that and he wasn't going to do it um so yeah it it fell apart again and so february 23rd um yeah and then so the got rejected and then february 23rd after this resolution passed that he rejected the police used mace and tear gas on peaceful demonstrators who were marching to the city hall and really at this point since the strike basically um they've had marches and protests and meetings every single day they're not just like sitting around at home not working they're they're here for a it is a racial justice movement and um yeah, so February 23rd, things get violent from the government side. And then February 24th, 150 local ministers form this organization called COM, or COM, Uh, the community on the movement for equality and they start they formed this organization in a church basement um, very grassroots and it was led by Reverend James Lawson and he was friends with Martin Luther King Jr. as well and they this come organization set up the resources for the strike workers they established food banks they recruited um, members for frequent marches like almost rounds like shifts so they always had marches and stuff going on and making sure that the people were still getting fed um cuz obviously the biggest people who the people that were sacrificing the most were the strikers cuz they're not getting their pay anymore and the reverend yeah the reverend James Austin that I kind of talked about he was a veteran nonviolent resistor And he was the one who eventually invited King and brought this to the national stage. Um, And, oh yeah, so like marches were happening, marches were happening every day, and at at the beginning of March, at this point, um, local high school and college students got involved, a quarter of whom were white, which is really cool to hear, although it's still only a quarter, but still, like, those were really open-minded people, and they were participating alongside the garbage truck workers in daily marches and over a hundred people were arrested at this point several of them were religious ministers um so this is happening throughout march so they they got that they thought they got the thing passed and then it wasn't passed because it was rejected and they're marching every day Um, and then March 18th happens, and this is where Martin Luther King flies in, and he gives a speech to the sanitation workers and promises to lead the big march that was to happen on March 22nd, and this speech that he gives was, it was the largest indoor civil rights demonstration at the time, so 25,000 people. So, already from this number, you can tell that this, this is more than just, um, sanitation worker pay it's more than even their memphis rights it's it's like a national civil rights campaign that's going on it's a lot bigger than just um these workers that are involved and it's become very symbolic when when obviously when martin luther king gets involved and march 22nd um they so he flies in again and oh no no he 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 wanted to fly in and they were preparing to do the march and everything, but I think it was a snowstorm prevents his flight, and so they couldn't do it on the 22nd, and I feel like these kinds of little things, like, if it happened today, I'm thinking about, like, marches and stuff like that, like, if something like this came up, um, it's easy for people to get discouraged and be like, oh, too bad, a snowstorm happened, like, well... Um, reschedule it but then people don't really come up to the rescheduling thing but this movement was too big to be stopped by a snowstorm and on March 28th they rescheduled it to March 28th and 22,000 students skipped school to participate in the protest apparently and King arrived and and yeah so it was a really big like a lot of young people were involved which is great but um this protest didn't really end that well so Martin Luther King arrived late and the demonstration was really fractured and it was starting to get rowdy so they called it off but it just got worse when they called it off. Um, Martin Luther King was escorted from the scene and people were told to go back to the church that was kind of like the center of the movement um, and chaos ensues like there was breaking windows and looting and it wasn't Probably not even, like, a majority of the people, but, um, I mean, for every little sort of, like, I mean, not saying that breaking windows and looting is little, but for every action, there is a much bigger response from the government, and the police actually followed the protesters back to the church, and they quote, this is from a Washington Post article, I think, entered the church, released tear gas inside the sanctuary, and clubbed people as they lay on the floor to get fresh air. So yeah that was really uncalled for and um yeah i mean i don't need to tell you guys that but um 60 people were injured and one was killed um surprise surprise it was a 16 year old black boy named larry payne and he was suspected of looting he was killed by a white police officer and martin luther king actually called the boy's mother to offer his condolences and um, his funeral was held at that church, the Claiborne Temple, and it was attended by 600 people, but um, yeah, so they they lost a young life in this struggle, Um, March 28th, yeah, Um, yeah, rough day, Um, so, and it was attributed to a black, a local black power group called the Invaders, and not getting too much into this, but yeah, there were definitely different, like Martin Luther King, Although, as I said last week, like, he died with a 75% disapproval rating, like, he was a non-violent protester, that was really his thing, and and he was actually really sad after this protest, not the least, because, like, a person was killed, and and also because um, he really believed in non-violence as a way to achieve, even if you have to take a beating, to still remain non-violent, and the fact that this thing that he was leading, ostensibly, turned violent was just really bad for his image but I'm sure also for his conscience as well. And so the aftermath of this sort of like protest gone wrong was the city of Memphis brought a formal complaint against the leaders of the march including King and several others. And the city of Memphis got a temporary restraining order against King and his associates associates and this is such overkill but they brought in 4000 National Guard troops um and They were there to, like, they were not there to protect colored people. (laughs) They were there to, or to, like, help them make sure they could do a peaceful protest. They were there um, because they were scared of those protesters. And over 200 workers continued protesting every single day, and they were faced off with bayonets. Um, Yeah, there was, like, a photo I was watching of these black uh, men with their signs, like, the I am a man signs, and then just a row, like, blocks upon blocks, just a row of white men with bayonets pointed at them in formation as they're walking down the street um really intimidating and eventually and he so MLK was kind of like oh it went violent uh that's not really my thing but um he does decide he eventually decided to go back and he felt that it was important to follow through with what he had started and there was so much national attention on this topic at this point and so he decided to lead another march on April 5th but as you might remember they had a temporary restraining order against him um so oh I don't get that I don't get to that yet okay so yeah so that was the aftermath of the the kind of protest gone wrong and so um April 3rd he he but he's decided to come back and so a group of sanitation workers braved a storm to see him and he just got off the plane but he was convinced to give a speech um and i'm not sure if it was on the fly but he was like "Mm, okay i'll give a speech and that speech turned out to be the i've been to the mountaintop speech which is really famous because it's his last public speech public speaking event ever um and yeah i just wanted to read a quote because it's so prophetic, like, it's, he kind of talks about, like, oh, I might not make it, I might die, I might get killed, and, yeah, it's just so prophetic and, like, gives you chills, but, yeah, I'm gonna read a little excerpt from it, which is the very end. Quote, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land, so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming Lord. Um, Yeah, obviously I can't say it as charismatically as he said it but still the words just really reverberate because he literally says I may not get there with you I may not get I've seen it I've seen it from the mountaintop but I may not get over there with you and he really didn't but he was I I mean and you could also say like well there's still racism so much racism today but I feel like in a sense we've we've at least crossed some mountaintops we've at least crossed some mountains where it's been diminished and there's other mountaintops to cross for sure but um I feel like we are sort of in a land where he he saw the kind of world that we live in today and obviously we need to continue working towards a better world but yeah very nice speech and um and and I it always was like wow he saw this coming he's so prophetic but then if you think about it like he almost got assassinated before with a knife um and there were constant threats on his life. The FBI was tapping him and everything. Um, and actually, apparently after Kennedy was shot, who was kind of seen as, like, liberal, like, ally to the black movement, I'm not sure how much he deserves that, but um, he told his wife, this is this is about Kennedy's assassination, this is what is going to happen to me also. I keep telling you this is a sick society. Um, and it's really sad that he was right, that we do live in a sick society where he was murdered, but... Um, he kind of knew like I think at this point he knew there was no turning back he was such a figurehead that he knew that his life was in constant danger and he kept on fighting despite knowing that which is really brave and so that's April 3rd he gives that speech um and so they just to kind of recap so Things are bad, they try to, they do daily sit-ins, they get a subcommittee to pass it, but then it's shot down by the mayor, and then Martin Luther King comes in, and he um, gives a speech, and then he leads a march, but the march goes badly, and now he's going to lead another one that's actually nonviolent, and um, that was supposed to happen on April 5th. Um, and then April 4th, Reverend Lawson and Andrew Young, oh yeah, Andrew Young is really interesting, he would go on to be a UN ambassador under Jimmy Carter, Um, and these two people, the charges weren't pressed against them, I guess, because they weren't the ones, like, leading the march so much, Um, so they were able to negotiate with the judge on the 4th, and they were able to negotiate it so that the march couldn't happen on the 5th, but uh, the 5th but it would happen they would allow it to happen on the 8th and um yeah so and then so so the march was supposed to happen on the 8th and obviously that's not what happened but because on that very night so he gives a speech the next day they're like okay green light do it on the 8th um that very night he gets assassinated and by he i mean martin luther king jr and he went out for a smoke. Before dinner and as he was standing out on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel where he was staying at, um, he was shot. And, yeah, there's still a wreath there today at the exact kind of, like, place on the balcony, I suppose, where he got shot and that was the end. And the, um, person that was arrested for it was a guy named James Earl Ray and witnesses saw him fleeing the scene and the rifle and binoculars were found close to the site with his fingerprints and he had worked for a segregationist political campaign before so he was racist um but it's actually and so I always was like oh yeah that's obviously I didn't know James Earl Ray but I knew that a guy shot him like a white guy shot him and and that had been that had been what had happened. But um, I was reading into this, and it's actually like a very messy case. And King's entire remaining family, like his wife and his children, they all maintain that James Earl Ray was innocent, um, and that and, and yeah, I don't know what to make of that. But like they have the most emotional investment in this, so they wouldn't um, say that someone was not innocent. And if he they if he killed their father. So um yeah, and, and a little bit about James Earl Ray. So he was on the run because he had escaped from prison and he was in prison for like a lot of theft stuff. He did an armed robbery once, but from from what I read, he didn't have any violent criminal past like like actively maiming or killing someone. Um and but when he was arrested, he confessed and then he recanted 3 days later and he said he had entered a guilty plea on advice from his lawyer so yeah it's a really tricky situation and 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 a lot of people honestly think that the fbi or the government had something to do with it that there there are a lot of conspiracies out there and i don't want to like put conspiracies into this show but because like coretta scott king herself has said there is abundant evidence of a major high-level conspiracy in the assassination of my husband, and even Andrew Young, the UN ambassador guy, and John Lewis, who's a congressman, Um, today, they've talked about how there was no transparency in the investigation, and... um and actually it's like the FBI wiretapped him and they a recent I'm not sure how recently it was uncovered but they even sent a death threat to his home and they denied that they had authored the death threat but drafts of that death threat were later found in in um Hoover who was the head of the FBI in Hoover's subordinate uh William Sullivan's possession and Sullivan later blamed it on Hoover so um yeah it's like they were definitely going after him and who knows what really happened but his family thinks that it was a conspiracy so um and and they've probably and they even sued for they even did a a legal case on this and it went back and forth and it obviously doesn't help that the guy confessed um but yeah it's like it's kind of a messy situation and i didn't think that someone so famous like martin luther king jr's assassination you would think that you would we would have conclusive like a kind of closure for why he was killed and if it turns out that the government was doing it that that's really important to know (laughs) so yeah maybe it'll get solved someday in the future I don't know but anyways the aftermath of this um going back to the sanitation workers strike after the aftermath aftermath of his assassination was the mayor, the racist guy, um, he calls in the state police and more police. (laughs) And also he has a curfew put on the whole city. And Reverend Lawson, um, he called for calm and not to go out and like rampage, even though people were obviously really emotional at that moment. And um, Johnson, President, President Johnston, at that point, he's like, okay, this is a big deal. We've got to face up to this issue we can't just like let it keep on simmering this guy like this national leader just got assassinated and so he calls on the undersecretary of uh, of labor james reynolds to negotiate an end to the strike and yeah so like king brought in a lot of attention to this issue but then his death just like the attention exploded because it's such a big deal um and april 8th Oh, wait, so they did They did do it on April 8th then. Okay, so on April 8th, they went ahead with the march and Credit Scott King, along with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, who had been really heavily involved with this whole... the sanitation workers' strike, they led a silent march of strikers and activists, and this time it was 42,000 people. So the strike started with, what was it, like 1,100... Um, Yeah, 1,100 out of 1,300 black sanitation workers, and now it's 42,000 people. So his death clearly drew a lot of attention to this issue, and the American Federation, the Union Federation, again, pledged their support on the steps of the City Hall. They went to the steps of the City Hall, and they were just campaigning and being active every single day, and eventually, eight days later, on April 16th, they struck a deal— and the city council was allowed to recognize so it was never even like the mayor like didn't literally never did anything. Like he didn't budge even after Martin Luther King got shot. Um what they eventually had to do was the city council was allowed to recognize the union and increase their pay. But then and here's the real kicker, is several months later they had to threaten to strike again because the terms they agreed on were not followed through. So really just a never ending battle on this front. And yeah, that's today's episode. Um it was kind of short, but I feel like last time was really long, so I wanted to make it shorter this time. Um so yeah. That is the Memphis Sanitation Workers Strike and I mean labor economic inequality it's still so important today and we're still fighting for it today and people of color are disproportionately affected by it and his work continues on like it really goes back to i i really want it's really great to read the whole mountaintop speech because it does have that added extra weight because he died he was killed afterwards and and it's almost like brings that speech to a higher realm but it really is like inspiring on so many different fronts not just like racial or economic justice whatever movement you're passionate about um there is a mountaintop and i thought i heard a sound and you can cross it it just requires and and you may not see the change you want to see in your lifetime um but the moral arc of history like the moral arc of justice is inevitable in a sense and truth and goodness will always win (laughs) i feel like i'm pep talking someone but um yeah so thanks for listening and tuning in.